You're listening to the Food Talk Show. And you'll never guess what. My name is Sue Nelson. Hi there. And um, for the next 30 minutes or so, we're going to be talking about all things food and drink. And I'm joined by my fellow presenters, Holly Ollie. So that's... Um, we're going to have to have some type of name change for one of you, I think. So that's Ollie Lloyd of Great British Chefs and uh, Holly Shackleton of Speciality Food Magazine. Hi, Holly. Ollie. Oh, what, 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 so what about, what about Hi, the Ollie. Shack and the Lloyd? Yes, the Shack. I accept the Shack. The shack. The shack. And also Ollie the was shack. here first. So The Shack. Yeah, the, the shack. shack. We're also Holly, changing your name good. to Polly. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be not Dolly. Molly. That's a sheep, isn't Jolly it? Is Dolly is Dolly the sheep. Beautiful. Dolly the sheep. Uh, no, I can't call you a shack. It's not, it's not ladylike enough. And you're no. quite ladylike. Am I? Mm. Oh, that's all right then. Thank you. Yeah. Like uh, Ollie is not ladylike not at all in the slightest. what that means in today's world. Yeah, I don't, it's probably not politically connected. Anyway, our guests today are Michelle Berrydale-Johnson of the Free From Awards and Jessie Wilson of Jubel Beers. I've, spelled, I've, I've, I've uh, pronounced that right because a lot of people get that wrong. They do. Um, before we come on to you, Ollie, just bef- before we went on, he's so excited. He had a big box that's been given to him with all sorts of freebie, lovely things. Um, Ollie, what are you doing right in front of us now? I am, you have um, to describe it because I'm I have you. a sort of cafetiere type looking thing, which is um, which is not like a cafetiere because it doesn't have one of those plungers. The plunger sort of is stuck at the top, so to speak, um, and it has pu'er tea in it. Pu'er, pu'er, pu'er. So this is um, a tea from a company called Jing. Um, was founded back in 2004, and they're basically on a mission to get people like you, Sue, <laughs> to uh, to take tea seriously. And I think the, the the interesting thing is, is in the UK we drink 16 million cups of tea a day, right? So we're pretty committed to the substance. Is that more than coffee? I don't know, actually. I, I suspect the answer must be yes. I think it used to be. I, I it presume it still is. And I, I think what's interesting is, is that no one, no one takes, um, I think, tea as seriously as they should and kind of realises the the real quality of actually what tea can be like. And I think there is this kind of trend towards just, I think, having um, what I call regular builder's tea that is just kind of generally rubber. But, but that's what I do. I have, I have, must have six or seven cups of that a day. Um, I actually think the empire was built on that, probably. Don't know. And um, I, I think out of habit, I've probably been doing this for... 40-odd years, I think out of habit, it's the combination of the tea and the milk and I have a tiny bit of sugar that is the drink for me. It's not. It's sort of not the tea somehow. It's it's those things combined. And I've I've been privileged to have some some amazing teas and, and visited some great um, tea blenders in the UK. Um, but I really struggle with tea that hasn't got milk and a bit of sugar in it. And I think they're different is drinks. Is that a different drink? I yeah, think I they're different. Say, is that a different drink? I, I think then? this is what's what's. Um, just want to pass that one along. Yeah. Um, I think the interesting thing is that when you start to try really good teas, you start to realise there's a lot more sophistication in the flavours. And actually, what I've really got into recently, and so we now have Jing tea in the office, and so everyone's kind of got don't. these little, you know, little cafetiers of tea wandering around, and people are sort of, so. And there's a really nice culture of sort of like people come over with their cafetier and say, "Oh, I'm having this. What do you think?" You know, and and we try different things. And what's interesting is you suddenly start to realise that you have a, f- a a profile of what you like. And so my favourite at the moment is called Red Dragon, which is a, originally a Taiwanese. Um, tea plant that was brought over to China and it has this kind of incredibly rich layered flavouring. Um, and, and, and I'm just like, okay, that is my tea. And actually I've stopped drinking coffee. So maybe that's what morning. I need to do. It's to find the tea so for I you. So I haven't find the one. So, so what is this one we've got so here? So 
Pu'e is originally from Yunnan province. And what's interesting is it, I think it's the only tea that's actually fermented. So actually it is, it's a tea that is um, aged. So in the end on the silk route, they would keep these things for a long time. They become blocks and originally they'd take bits off the block and then brew the tea off it. So it's got a much, if I brewed it correctly, which I may not have done, I'm still learning. <laughs> um, it's got a much sort of richer, more kind of um, pungent, See, I just um, I can't stand that. Really? Well, no. And it's it's the smell. So it smells... How do you describe that, Holly? Uh, it smells um, of... Oh, I don't want to say farmy. Yeah, no, I think, I think you're right. I think it's farmy. Farmyard. It smells, farmyard. It smells oh, of pigs. Yeah. It smells of pigs. <laughs> it smells fermented. It's got and that kind of... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, but, but that's that's <laughs> what's really interesting is that actually if you think about your kind of... You know, I think you said you used that very high-profile brand um, that really says a lot about you. Technically. No, I do Yorkshire tea, um, Yorkshire tea I don't uh, yeah. hate... Is it Typhoo? Typhoo. Oh, is oh awful. no. Sorry, oh, sorry, yeah. Typhoo people, if anybody's listening. Um, Tetley's not bad. No, I like Yorkshire but, but, tea. But I think what's interesting, this has a very particular flavour. And you might say it's too pungent for me, yeah. it's too kind of farmyardy. I mean, but it's... But it's looking got a at you, Ollie, I could see it like I could see you liking that. Sort of matches your personality. I, I do like the flavour though, and yeah. the smell is quite farmyardy, but the flavour is very smooth and well-rounded. And I think if you just if you hold your nose, <laughs> Jesse, you're, you, you're an expert on beer, and I. So I'm you must, absolutely you must not be, an expert on tea. No, but you must be <laughs> tasting. You know, you're used to tasting things all the time and flavours. What's your thoughts on that? I was going to say similar thing on the the smell. It reminded me of being at a, a farm in Yorkshire. <laughs> in Yorkshire. But I'm a um, yeah, it's the only farm I've been to. <laughs> no, I'm a I'm a coffee drinker normally. So yeah, definitely not a tea expert. But um, not your thing. We're going to try another one in a minute. So yeah, not converted to a tea drinker. Right. Um, but it would take a lot. I think I'm I'm pretty hard fast. Well, see, I I drink I drink tea as a regular drink, and then if I treat myself, I treat myself to a what I would call a nice coffee, which which mm. is silly, isn't it? So what you saying is that there's no reason why tea can't be an exotic and a, a, and a ritual. A, and a, and a, I mean, and like a, I had, I had, ma I had ceremonial grade matcha for the first time the other day, and I've tried matcha two or three times in my life, and every time I try, I'm like, that is disgusting. <laughs> and this time, it was totally different. It didn't have the bitterness. It had the kind of rounded sweetness, mm. and, you, and it was like a, I'm going to say a, it was a buzzy drink. It was kind of like it was full of kind of that sort of. Um, I use a phrase I wouldn't say, had a real sort of clean energy to it. As it didn't have that kind of like that, that heaviness of coffee. It felt quite light, but mm. very energizing. And actually, I was like, oh, okay, actually, I could drink. And I'm, look, I'm a hardcore coffee drinker. You know, I love the Lapsang, Sushongs of this world. You know, I love smoky, big flavored food. So I need things that are like green tea's not my space. <laughs> um, but I was like, actually, wow, that, mm. that's actually really interesting. Michelle, what's your, your thoughts on that? I would seaweed was what I would have said. Yeah, interesting. Definitely, seaweed. definitely seaweed. That taste fermented. and flavour, yeah. yeah. And I'm really interested by the fermented bit. Mm. Um, mm. At what point do they ferment it? Before it's dried? So I think you can still buy 1970s pu'er yeah. today, and apparently it costs an absolute fortune. So most of the stock at the moment, apparently, a lot of it is, is like nowadays, most people who are drinking high, really high quality stuff are drinking the 90s stuff. Hmm. So, I mean, it's really yeah. interesting. I mean, it's yeah. like a world. And again, I think what's interesting is in, look, what we do on this program is talk a lot about food. And I'm always fascinated when you, you, hit, a, you hit a category, I'll call it, where there's just not, actually, we have not yet explored. So, yeah, so why have we got 500 million gins when actually we all drink tea? Nearly, you know? yeah. It's a huge, huge drink. And what you're saying is the quality of it is just, it's just not good. In, well, it's, no, it's a different. It's, I suppose it, it, we're not exploring it is what you're no. saying. And look, we're having a, we've got a very, um, it's like the difference between if you eat, a 
beautifully raised roast chicken, you know, where you spent, we mm-hmm. talk about the 20 quid a chicken, chicken versus the three pound chicken. They just taste fundamentally different. different yeah. And the yeah. same is true with if you, if you actually treat the ingredients with respect. What's extraordinary about tea is, is basically it all comes from one plant. And then the way you treat it, pick it, process it, changes it and the way you it's know, very it's much like, like wine in, in some respects have you uh, got something else for us to taste because yeah we've got a jasmine we'll do at the end it's a bit barnyardy in here yeah well it's a bit barnyardy it's a small studio lucky i didn't bring, bring any of that delicious um was it monk um oh. the renegade monk cheese we had a few weeks ago where we literally <laughs> it was absolutely we can still smell it though let's <laughs> face it it was absolutely delicious um before we uh, before we talk to jesse about beer any final thoughts on tea uh, anything you're seeing in the sort of deli farm shop space I think um, Holly, you know, people because p- people are putting more and more space into coffee, aren't they? They but are. People can do it at home. And I, I don't. We're not seeing it in tea. I really don't mm. think that we are. And I think in coffee, we're kind of. <clears throat> sorry, we're used to um, talking about single origin coffee, and everyone's very familiar with Colombian coffee, um, and they can very comfortably request that and know that you know what kind of taste notes they're going to be getting. Mm. But with tea, there just isn't that language around it. We're not comfortable with that yet. Mm. And it's strange how talking about wine or meat or whatever, we talk about the origin and the the story behind the food and the taste that comes with it. But with tea, we're just not there yet. Mm. You really need to be too, because the the figures on tea drinking we are going down. Down. You know, we're drinking far less of your kind of, you know, sweet and milky tea. Um, so actually, this this sector of speciality teas right. needs to come up and, and yeah. right for innovation yeah. and it premiumizes it. Which ultimately, yeah. if you take the sort of you know, if you take your average box of PG tips or Tetley's or Yorkshire, mm. um, you know what it's actually costing per bag is like nothing. Whereas if you take actually tea, again, that's cost. It's you know actually it should be costing a certain amount of coffees and things. And if you're spending twenty thirty p a cup in terms of the quality, actually it's you know. Well, from tea, we're moving on to beer. I know. You're, you're happier now, aren't you? Big jump. Sue's suddenly comfortable. <laughs> well, you feel, you feel the shoulders why. loosen up. Because yeah. probably I know a little bit more about beer. Not a lot, but a little bit more. So probably that's why I feel a bit more comfortable. I, I do feel that that tea is... Uh, the, the single estate tea is alien to me, and that's why I'm probably struggling with it. And I think you're right. I think I, think I need to taste more and find a couple that I really, really like. Hmm. There's a challenge. There's a challenge. I've taken it. Yeah, anybody on Twitter got some nice tea, please send it over to me. Um, so, Jubel beer. So, Jesse, um, explain to me, there's loads of beers on the market and um, beer's becoming more and more popular, craft beer. Um, tell me a little bit about your journey, how you suddenly decided to to launch the two beers we have in front of us. Yeah, absolutely. We're, it all started on a, um, a ski trip, actually. <laughs> My business partner and I, we were on our, our uni ski trip in the French Alps. And we just discovered a local tradition out there that was dangerously refreshing, and it was called Demi Peche. Uh, essentially, what it was was a, a pint of lager with a Ciro de Peche, and it gave it a really refreshing peach taste to it. But um, it ended up sort of being between a lager and a cider because it had the, the fruit refreshment of a cider, but because it was a lager, you could have a few of them. And it wasn't saturating, it wasn't cloying, it was just very easy to drink and, and very refreshing. Um, and that's kind of what inspired the idea. We thought there's nothing in the UK for people who are bored of boring beers and um, and kind of sick of sweet ciders. There's a big gap in between. And um, we just thought this product fit that gap perfectly. And um, it essentially was just the, the style of beer that we wanted to drink and we couldn't find anyone brewing it. So 
we just thought, why don't we end up doing it ourselves? And why not? So your Alpine beer, if you could open one, that would be jolly nice. Of course. Um, and, and, and do a little bit of a pouring. Um, so your Alpine beer is, is already in um, 370 Sainsbury's local um, supermarkets, which is well done to you. Um, and obviously you're looking at uh, further distribution, all that sort of stuff. Um, it's, it's a beer cut with peaches. So how it do you is. do it? Do you actually brew the beer yourself or how, you know, what's the process that you're doing? Yeah, so Tom and I, um, we developed the product ourselves and it took us best part of two years to actually do that. Um, and what we do is we brew a base lager that is uh, it's very clean and crisp um, and we drop the gravity of the lager below zero. So it's, it's ultra dry and ultra light. Um, and then at the back end of the brew process, we infuse it with a natural peach essence which gives it the refreshing peach character, but without too much sweetness and without too much um, body to it. So it remains light, it remains balanced, remains refreshing, um, but it has that um, fruit character that's more interesting to drink than just a normal lager. I thought I was going to sneer at you, but actually I really quite like it. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a beer somehow. It's, it's something different. It's, uh, it's my kind of beer. It's my kind of beer. Is it a girl's beer? It's, uh, well... I don't want what to generalise. I don't know. I don't know. No. I don't know. And I'm being provocative, but 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 it's it's light and it's refreshing. Yeah. And and for beer drinkers who don't like the bitterness, I'm not a fan of hoppiness, so I tend to go for more kind of wheat beers that just are a bit mm. smoother. Um, so and I actually have a couple of bottles of this at home. So yeah. Brilliant. You see, I'm like you. I don't, I I tend to go for blonde mm. and wheat beers. I, I don't actually like the hoppy. Tastes too yeah. much. I appreciate it, but I don't really like it too much. You, you, so remind me, are you a whiskey me. drinker? I drink anything, to be perfectly honest with you. <laughs> but so, I mean, because but when you say you don't like the sort of hoppy, heavy beers, is mm. that because you you're would you, but you but you like quite you like big flavours? Yeah, yeah, well, definitely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm like you. I like I actually very much like the smoky flavour. So if you know some of the whiskies that called a misspent youth, isn't it? So probably, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, um, but well, my my parents used to smoke for forty fags a day, so I'd imagine it's probably sitting in two rooms in Clapham, surrounded by smoke, just is probably why. Um, but but I, I do like that smokiness. So as you said, laps on uh, uh, for teas. Actually, I, yeah. I really quite like it. Very very strong. Um, but is, do you like this? Is it, you, you, are you a beer drinker? I, I, particularly, I, are you? Yes, you know, it's funny, actually. I, so, I subscribe to one of those ridiculous, um, like, you know, 20 beers, or 12 beers arrive in your home, and, you know, <clears throat> every now and then they arrive, and you, you try stuff, and it's quite nice because you get to try something a bit different. Um, so I do drink beer. There will always be beer at home. Um, I'm definitely, you know, I definitely avoid, like, the plague, what I call the sort of the mass kind of rubbish that, you know... I can't remember the last time I, mean, I had one just, of those beers, and I... It's really by necessity, isn't it? I mean, I think you know, you walk into a pub and you need a, you know, you're, you're somewhere and it's like, right, we're gonna have a drink now, and it's like, I'm that's really all thirsty. Or something, really thirsty. Yeah. Um, but no, I do like that. I, I, what I find interesting is the peach. The peach flavour kind of comes through at the end. It, 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 it's, it's not overwhelming. And I often find some of these kind of the sort of Belgian fruity beers, just like after one pint of them, you're just like, oh my god, I need to lie down. Yeah, you know, you get that that raspberry Belgian beer. It's just. It's, Go with the beard. It's like a child. It's like a child's drink a in a way. The fun was. This fun was. There's a, yeah. a few. This I really like because you surprised me because actually it's very sophisticated. So it tastes like a beer, but, but and the peach goes really, really well with mm. it. Mm. It's not an it's not an added thing or, or whatever. It is very much part of the overall taste. I think the beer version of Bellini, perhaps. Yeah. 
Michelle, you a beer drinker? Yeah, I, I do like beer and I do like hoppy beers. So I'm not oh. terribly keen on the fruity ones. But actually, that that's better because most of the citrus ones, I think, oh, yeah. why, why do I have to do that to a beer? But that's not aggressive at all. No, it's, not. it's very refreshing. You're right. It's light and refreshing. And it's just that little kind of tip. Barbecue, about one o'clock in the afternoon. Barbecue. That's perfect. Possibly. Yeah. Possibly. You've, you've got another mm. one for us to try, haven't you? I do. Yeah, yeah I um, I had to pub, pop to a pub down the road to pick up these beers because uh, I forgot to bring <laughs> some in my bag. So. <laughs> well, you'd have got completely... Fortunately, there was one around the corner. You'd have got pilloried if you'd have turned up without us tasting any, obviously. <laughs> right, so what's this one? So this is our second beer. We, um, we obviously launched the first one as our original based on the Alpine uh, trip that we went on where we came across the tradition. And we started up down in Cornwall and as we started to distribute into London... Uh, we wanted to brew a fresh beer that we felt was really fit for the city and started playing around with some new brews. And um, this is our urban beer. So this is a um, a similar light lager profile, but we infuse it with an elderflower essence. So you say, I was thinking, you know, so you, you, wandering around London, you know, we are in London at the moment as we record this. I haven't seen many elderflowers, but so when you say it's for oh, the city... Where have the you odds. been? No, no, where I, have I, you I been? In, no, I mean, there are some, obviously, and, you know... The, 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 They're the, all in alcohol. No, I thought you know, I was inspired by pigeons, and I thought that maybe I'd do something called pigeon beer. Or something. I, mean, I, I love the idea that you, you felt that elderflowers it was something that, that you know referenced London mm. or cities. Mm. Yeah, what we actually did was we brewed a few trial brews, and we took them to our wholesaler who supplies into London, and we we chatted to them and did a tasting and said. What do you think would work really well for London at the moment? And and they said elderflower is incredibly popular at the moment, yeah. and mm. and it's kind of gripped London, and it would be a great flavour to go for. So um, that's why we brewed this one, and it has that sort of floral familiarity of hops, but without the backbiting bitterness to it. And again, the thing that strikes me about this, and I really didn't want to like it. I don't know why. <laughs> so you're in one of those like moods, say we. No, it must like be. It. it must be one of those moods, just like like. Is that like, after I gave you a kind of a. You know, I didn't allow you a cup of Yorkshire I gave you yeah. Blue, uh, tea. Maybe, yeah. Am maybe. I sat too close? Do I need to no, give no, you some no, more no. space? No, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. I don't often sit next to young men. <laughs> you, um, you always sit next to me. Not you. <laughs> um, and again, the reason why I like this is because it's it's a part of the overall flavour. It balances really, really well, as opposed to it being an additive. And I think what I'm finding with some of the gins out there is, uh, at the moment as well is, is um, oh, I've got a rhubarb gin. Actually, it's rhubarb. Mm. And it just happens to be steeped in alcohol. Um, it's it's not bringing out other botanicals and all that sort of stuff. This this feels part of the overall structure of the beer, which is which is why I think both of these are really quite clever, and 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 refreshing. Mm. Again, I really like that. They really are. I mean, the elderflower in particular. I just I'd like to go back a couple of months and be sitting in a sunny it was pub really garden hot. somewhere when it was really hot. It's really mm. lovely. You can just turn your heating up really really high. <laughs> I, I could do, but it's not quite the same no, in it's Suffolk. Not, it's not very environmentally friendly. I'm in a flat as well. So. <laughs> What do you think of elderflower? Not your. Thing. I, I prefer I prefer the peach, um, but I think what I'm finding confusing about them is I don't think they're beers, and that for me is the the, the interesting thing about them is that they're they feel very um, quite European in flavour. I mean, obviously, whether I want to say that in today's world, I don't know. Um, <laughs> got to the thirtieth of March. Yes, mm. about, just about maybe maybe longer. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Nobody knows. Um, no, not even Theresa May. Um, but I, th- I think that's really interesting is they don't feel like. a like I, mean, I think there's a sort of the British beers that I'm kind of used to. That if I drank that, I'm like, what is that? I no. think that's um, that, that's an interesting point actually, because a lot of people when they try it, uh, it's a very unique taste profile. That's what I think I'm saying to you. Is is is, is I find it difficult to describe. The other thing you'll be interested to know, Michelle, is that these are uh, gluten free. 
and vegan friendly. I noticed How that. Good is Don't that? worry, I noticed How that. How good is that? Yeah, that is, that yeah it's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But not alcohol free. No, free no. from a few things, good. but not, not good. alcohol. <laughs> there are certain frees that one shouldn't do in certain places. <laughs> we're going to talk about well, not that, always. <laughs> that, that's really nice. It's, it is very, very scented. It's very mm. flowery. It's, I and mean, I agree with you. It's not beer to me. It's a nice thing, drink. It's a thing all of itself. Yeah, it? yeah it's a nice drink. But it, and, what, it's, and what is it, 4%? 4% ABV, yeah. Is that, so, what, is that what they call a session beer? Uh, we do call it that, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of standard lager strength. And um, yeah, not too weak, not too strong, just kind of that balanced middle ground. Mm, I like that very much. So, so um, just tell us, um, Jesse, what are the plans and where can people get hold of this? Absolutely. So we started down in Cornwall. So we've got a lot of distribution in the on-trade down there through pubs, bars and restaurants. Uh, we brought it to London this summer through the on-trade as well. And um, we had a bit of a surprise call from Sainsbury's in the summertime mm. uh, who had seen a, a video online and they really wanted to meet us. So fortunately, we, we got a listing with them off the back of it. And um, we're now in 620 Sainsbury stores across the UK um, with our peach beer and, and 250 with our elderflower beer. So um, we've got quite a good spread, so um, people should be able to get hold of it wherever they live. There should be one nearby based on the law of averages. Good. So well done to you. And, and I know um, before you did all this, you, you used to work for Mars, didn't you? I did. Were you the brand manager for Maltesers? I was. <laughs> hey. I love Maltesers. Hey, what? Malt- no, yes. Different sort of malt thing now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a bit of, that's, that's helpful. No, listen, I'm, you, you know, look, I'm, I'm an ex-Unilever guy and I'm, you know, we used to do lots of stuff with Mars. Um, I think you know, it helps, doesn't it? I mean, not yeah, necessarily understanding the Understanding how the sector works must, yeah. must, must help. Yeah. yeah, I think it was... Um, the brand experience was was great, and when we started to think about our branding, it was it was helpful to have done that mm. a little bit before, but um, definitely didn't know much. <laughs> well, I bet you do now. Well, con- congratulations on that. We'll have more information on it on the website. So, um, Ollie, uh, you've you've been taking the Mickey out of me out of tea. So I'm going to ask you. Um, well, oh, here Ollie. we go. Yeah, going to ask you um, a quiz now. Great. So there are. You guys can all help me. Apparently, no, 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 no. You're on your own on this Cheating's one. Cheating, so I can see. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Just sig- um, so there are fourteen allergens. Did you know that? Right. So there's sort of fourteen. No sort way of, I could. Know. I don't know how you call it. Michelle's going to fourteen help me later. major allergens. Major yeah, allergens. sort of registered allergens yeah. or whatever you call it, which you must, you know, put on your labelling if, mm. if 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 you've got mm-hmm. something in. So no. name me fourteen. Come on, no start. Way, that's Come good. on. You, then you, never, on. you never play a game. Of Holly, name come on, number. name me some. Ooh, so, well, I fourteen. Think, uh, You've got to start with nut. Nuts. I'm, nuts, good. So that's one. one. I was going to go for some maybe more left field ones. So I may be completely wrong here, but I'm thinking sesame. Yes, good, good girl. Well done. Soya. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I've hit my peak. Soya. Yeah. There's th- another th- one. There are three well with S's. Think three of three with S's. No, no, no. Michelle, no soya and one more with no help. No help. No. No help at all. So um, I'm assuming you have to have shellfish. Yes, well done. That's another one. Two um, more fish. Shh, two more fish. I'm not really helping here, but there are two you are. More fish. No, no help. There are. <laughs> that's interesting. So it's shellfish that you would need to flag. So you need to flag fish. And, you and need, meat. You need to flag crustaceans. Crustaceans. Okay. Okay. And you need to flag mollusks. Prawns. Mollusks. Yeah. Okay. So, so amongst that, you're talking about prawns, crab, you know, lobster, Mussel snails, oysters, but anything with a shell, really. It's rather the lobster and that sneaks its way into a sandwich, <laughs> isn't it? I mean, by accident. Yeah. Yes, you've got those. Some more. You've got uh, one, two, three, four, um, wheat, eight to go. Wheat, wheat. Well, cereals. So cereals, anything containing okay. gluten, so gluten is... you have to point out. So that could be wheat, I... rye, barley, oats. Okay. Do I get a point for that? Yes, you do get okay. a point for that. Well, and you're ahead of Ollie at the moment. Of course. That's okay. I'm all right with this. 
Um, what else is that going to be? Dairy. Um, sort of milk uh-huh. or lactose. Okay. Something yeah. that contains lactose. Yeah, well done. Peanuts are going to help you. Peanuts, there. very good. Peanuts yeah, is different good from nuts because obviously it's a legume and not a nut. Yeah. It's underground. Um, so you've got four left. Four left, wow. Four left. Oh, any thoughts? One obvious and three fairly unobvious ones. One obvious. One obvious that you should be getting, guys. Okay, so I'm going to help you here. So uh, we've just had beer, so sulfites. Okay, sulfites. Um, So you'll see that on... uh, Eggs. Yeah, well done, Ah. eggs. Um, Yeah, sulfites uh, tend to be in wine and beer, but sometimes they're used for preserving dry fruit. Right. So if, if you do find that you're allergic to sulfites, you just have to watch out for that one. Um, there's then celery. Celery? Yes. Yeah. I'm glad. I hate celery. Which includes celeriac. Well, I, I, like, celery. I like celeriac. You can't. It's yeah. the bitterness. Really? You know oh, yeah. how I don't... Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm weird. Yeah. And then two left. One's mustard. Mustard? Mustard and mustard seeds, yeah. Really? No, yeah. Not, so, not so much in the UK, much more in Europe, as is the celery. Mm. It's a much more common allergen in Europe. And then the final one is lupin seeds. Uh, which is a flower. Really? That can't be that common, though. And it, well, it's found in some flowers. Oh, again, oh, for baking. It's used for lupin bread. Yeah, uh, it's, it's used, used mainly bread. on the continent. It's, okay. it's actually a very good flower. It's used for when you don't want gluten. Mm. You don't, and it's an excellent flower for baking. So it's used a lot on the continent. It's scarcely used here. But these regulations go Europe-wide. So. Yes, yeah, so, so this is the regulated list of 14. Yep. That you must inform you must on the inform. label. If, so you know you have to put them in bold. Yep. Often. You have to. Uh, and how do they get to those fourteen? I don't know. Good question, Michelle. How do they, they get to those fourteen? They've have they have the last. Who's 10 they? 50, is they, they Europe. They is Europe basically. Right, okay. It's all came out of Brussels, right. uh, the European Food Safety Authority, right. and a whole load of basically universities and medical facilities all around Europe just did a massive amount of research over the last ten to fifteen years, trying to assess what populations population wide what they were allergic to, how allergic they were, how many people were allergic gathering a vast quantity of data. On the basis of that, they then came up with these this list of 14 awesome. major allergens. Which And, you know, there's argument that some things ought to... Kiwi fruit, for example, because it's become so popular over the last 20 years or so, and a lot of people are allergic to it, they should have included kiwi, they should possibly have included other legumes apart from peanuts. Mm. But they agreed on these 14 major allergens, which have to be... Since 2011, they have to be on all packages. And they have to be highlighted in the ingredients list. And, and Michelle, just based on the number of people who are allergic. I was going to say, what's the criteria? Yeah. So, so it's based on the number of people. Yeah. But is it based on the severity of the reaction? Or, yes, or? I mean, it, it's, it's all about having a genuine allergic reaction, an immune system. When it, where basically, your immune system, when you, when you're, if you're allergic to something, looks at it and misidentifies it and thinks that this thing is toxic, so a peanut or milk or whatever it may be. Your immune system thinks it's, it is toxic and therefore it reacts sometimes very dramatically against to it. To sort of get rid of it or to, or, or exactly. to regulate your body. To get rid of it. Yeah, the main yeah. thing is to get, to get rid, rid of it, of it by okay. whatever means they can. Now, that's different from an intolerance. Lots of people feel awful if they eat certain foods or if they eat too much of certain foods and, and they can feel really, really bad, but they don't have an immune so, reaction. So if you, if you um, as I'm getting older, if I have gluten I, I feel a little bit bloated I've noticed but, but it's not it's not life-threatening and it's not I don't think it's a medical reaction is it it's just it could be it could be I mean the difficult thing about, it's about not intolerance it's uncomfortable it's just something yeah. that I notice yeah but that's very different from having that's quite different from having a genuine allergic reaction where your immune system is activated so you're right. so the difference is between 
allergic and intolerant. It is. And yep. dislike, mm. which, is, which, is, yes. which is our celery. Comment. Well, I'm going to use that now. I'm yeah. going to claim an intolerance to celery. Yeah. Well, it, to be fair, to be to one be of fair, those people. You know, people do, they dislike things that don't agree with them. Mm. So dislike is not, you know, particularly with kids. If you have children who really, really dislike certain ingredients, certain foods, that may be because just their bodies can't tolerate do, them. Do you, do you actually have a reaction to celery then? No. No. I just, I really <laughs> just hate it. But almonds, almonds, I do have a reaction. But I think, is it true that um, with intolerances and kind of allergies, that there's a cycle of seven years or something? Because I've... You just made that up. Well, jobs, no. Isn't it? It's hopeful job. because I've developed some kind of intolerance to almonds and to peaches and kind of stone fruit, which is heartbreaking. Well, the I'm hoping it will go in five just years. Just drank a beer with peach in it. Well, you yeah, see, well, I, I'm, I'm keeling over actually, as Holly's actually speak. lying on the floor for this broadcast, <laughs> just to paint the picture. Holly's lying on the floor, and this is not good. I didn't tell you there's celery in it as well. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> no longer a fan, I'm sorry. The but it's interesting, the... isn't it, this whole debate? Because there is, you know, we, I was around this table, I, I don't know, but, you know, I, I mean, I'm, for one, I'm not allergic to anything. I'm definitely intolerant of bad food, but that's, that's the borderline of my intolerance and porridge, which I hate, the only two things. Um, but, it, you know, this is, a, this is a serious topic and it's, it's complicated, isn't it, in the sense that there are people who dislike things, there are people who are clearly allergic, and then, you know, I mean, there's a whole spectrum here, isn't there? That, absolutely. It's very complicated. And that, that's why it makes it so difficult for the food industry, particularly for the food service industry, the catering industry, which is what's come, you know, uh, in the spotlight recently. Because it is a, it is a nightmare, Michelle. If, if, if you're a, a sort of sole trader or maybe there's two of you and you've got, let's say you've got a, you, you know, um, a, a sort of pop up that you do at lunchtimes or something, you know, in a particular place. Um, you've got to, you've got to work out these 14 engines. And if and we've seen in the press recently, if you get that wrong, it's it's really serious. And it's a huge responsibility. But if you're in a massive restaurant and you've got staff turnover and you've got lots of people, you know, going in and out and all that sort of stuff, you've got loads of different suppliers. How do you keep track of that? I mean, it must be incredibly, it must be becoming more and more difficult. It is difficult. But I mean, one has to also remember that actually dying from food allergy is very, 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 very rare. It really, you know, we're talking about maybe 10 deaths a year. And when we've had, was it 10 deaths from stabbing in the last week? 10 deaths in the UK, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it really is very rare. So, you know, bearing that in mind, it is difficult but actually, you know, it's not that difficult. You know what, don't you know what you're putting in your food? Chefs know what they're putting in their food. But some stuff is mm -hmm. hidden within things. Yeah, and that's that, obviously that's the Of course, of course. So you have, but you have to know where, when you're buying food in, in a simple restaurant, in a simple cafe, where you're making all the stuff yourself, it's really not very difficult. You know what's there. All you have to do is bear in mind that there are these 14 allergens which you have to know about and you have to be able to tell anybody who comes in and asks. But I've, if I'm running a restaurant and I've got something that includes peanuts, I've got celery, I've got prawns, I've got... The, I mean, the, the cross-contamination cross cross yeah. is what would scare, I mean, would scare the hell out of me. Yes, I mean, the cross-contamination is obviously an issue. As far as we know, nobody has ever died from cross-contamination, right. from a contaminated food. But they might have all been the, ill. All the deaths, they might have been ill, yeah. but all of the deaths have been when something like the sesame in the famous Pret Baguette was in there as an ingredient and they didn't know, they were misinformed, whatever it mm. was, they didn't know. So cross-contamination is an issue because obviously you don't want anyone to feel ill after you leave, yeah. you know, they leave a restaurant. But it's not quite as essential. But... You know, increasingly, we run these Free From Eating Out awards, and increasingly, the people who enter have decided to go down the dedicated route. Now, if you have a restaurant which doesn't have gluten, it's and which doesn't have In a way, it's easier, in it, isn't it? Doesn't have yeah. dairy, it's totally vegan. It makes your life infinitely simpler. 
because mm. actually those products never come onto your premises. So the chances of them getting in there are very slim. Mm. I mean, it can happen. Anything can happen in this sure. world. Nothing is guaranteed. So, so Jesse, your beers are um, gluten-free. How do you... How do you absolutely make sure that they are? What, what, you know, what have you got in place? Because it's a huge responsibility being a producer. Mm. So I'm actually celiac, so it's a, a bit of a selfish reason. So for basically what you do is you drink free. it. If you're ill the next day, it's not yep. allowed. Has Jesse died or is he right? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, we, we love it. Very this. safe system, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, high risk. <laughs> we love to every batch, actually. Um, so the requirement is below 20 parts per million, um, but we actually don't bottle anything above 10. Um, Just so. make, absolutely sure. Yeah, just make sure uh, it's completely clear. And, and we do brew with malted barley so that it has the character of a lager. Uh, and you do get that multi undertone. But mm. we brew out the gluten um, through the use of a brewing enzyme. Um, and then the, the sort of safety check in place is the lab test. Uh, and we don't bottle anything until that's finished. And so that's cleared. done. Yeah. I suppose everybody has to do that now. Um, Michelle, we've, we're running out of time already, but can you just very briefly, uh, the, the, the thing that I find um, so impressive about your, your sort of background really is that you've been, you've been talking about Free From for a long, 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 long time. Very long time. Before anybody even must have thought you just were mad or something. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, and actually, I do feel that because of some of the things you were doing a long time ago, that's why we've got, you know, we had half a shelf in a supermarket mm-hmm. for free from. And now, of course, it's it's absolutely huge. But without laying those foundations, it, w- it would never have happened. No. And is that why you did the free from awards, just to try and... Absolutely. You have to start somewhere. And I mean, I started 30 years ago and we manufactured free from food before the term had been invented. Um, you but a bit too early, weren't you? We really? were never, never be a pioneer. <laughs> it's a really bad idea. Um, but it is absolutely why we started the awards, because the the industry was just getting going. There were just enough people starting mm. to make food. And we thought, okay, awards. Oh, hey, we're a proper industry. We've got awards. And then the whole th- purpose was to raise awareness within the food industry and outside, obviously, because you're then getting nice little logos and all these products so that the allergic po- population recognise yep. them. And also to, to set a standard of excellence. So, you know, when they started, provided it was gluten-free, well, you know, it's a celiac, um, provided it was gluten-free, it didn't matter what it tasted like, it was gluten-free, I can eat it. That was okay. But that's not good enough. It's certainly not good enough now. The food has to be good. It has to be tasty. It has to be better than the gluten-filled. And it, it is. I mean, it's just unbelievable, the it's, improvement it's really, over I mean, the last 15 years. It, mm. even Extraordinary. The last, even the last two or three years, I think it's, mm. it's come on tremendously. Mm. Yeah. But it's also interesting how it's become, I mean, we work with Dove, Farm, mm. so free from from yep. farm, and they, um, you know, they're obviously one of the early pioneers um, in this space as well. And I think, you know, what's interesting in some ways is that it's it's gone beyond those who have allergic reactions now, and it's gone beyond intolerant. Actually, mm. it's gone to lifestyle. It's and become part the... of a whole lifestyle, and and the people who are choosing to do it is because it fills their kind of ethical requirements. They also want to look at the food miles. They also want to look at, at, you know, the animal welfare. They want to look at the whole profile of the kind of food they're eating. And they see free from food, which less gluten, less dairy, as being healthier, as being part of that whole lifestyle. And that's very important because it is actually what's driving the market. And for Mm. celiacs, for people who genuinely have allergies, this is brilliant because actually the, the choice that they're getting as a result of this very increased customer base is amazing it's great well that's yes. but, but it's all... not going away is it it's just going to increase i think but the complexity mm. though is is that also though some of those brands that are starting to enter that space 
don't don't realize actually how important it is that you take the actual criteria as seriously. Yes, so that, that's it, the crucial thing because a lot of what's happening now is people are going for naturally free from ingredients, which is wonderful. But of course, you also have to be aware of the the basic underpinnings, the the allergic reaction that you have to avoid. So it, it's good because it means there's a very strict standard by which you have to manufacture if you want to call something free from. But it's interesting. I mean, it. Because on some level, that then does give things the the scale that they need. Because actually, if you know, if you look at you know, we did some research recently on the vegan population, and you know, the numbers are there are actually only two hundred and fifty thousand strict vegans in the UK, and that number is probably correct within a hundred thousand. Um, but it's, not, it's really not a lot of people. It's not a lot of people. No, no. it's tiny. Mm. But the interesting thing is, is that actually, like forty percent of foodies are saying they eat vegan dishes. And, and, and enjoy them. And enjoy them. Yeah. And so, and, and that is, as you say, is part exactly of that, so the, the, the healthy lifestyle yeah. thing. Mm. And, and it's mm. it's kind of what, where the interest mm. lies. Mm. Mm. So, so we're just about to finish the programme. Now, you promised me another um, um, tea to try and wean me off of Yorkshire and Tetley's and stuff. Well, yeah, I've, I've only just brewed it. So I'm not sure how... how You're a bit of a stir. You know, we, 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 it, might, it, might, it may take... That's actually, I didn't bring with me the little timer that comes with Jing, where you flip it over so it's like, like a little egg timer so you can see how long you should leave it in. What is your house like? You must have... Look, first of all, you must have deliveries nearly every day because you must subscribe to every scheme known to man. So like chocolate arrives on a Wednesday yeah. and then beer arrives Cocoa on runners, Friday. Cocoa Beer, then, yeah, beer comes in every month. Yeah. And then wine every now and then. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so, so I bet your neighbours hate you because they probably always have to sign for them. Do you know, I was actually really upset. I walked into my house yesterday and there was a microwave had been delivered. And I'm like, <gasps> and, and I'm like, what on earth is that doing here? You don't do it was for a neighbour. Oh, thank goodness for that. It was a huge relief. It was a hu- <laughs> really huge relief. I was like, what on earth is who who would take my my son has got hold of the Amazon account and is just <laughs> pressing buttons. Um, but you must have. Because you, I mean, a bit like me, really, I, I'm, I'm very lucky to get all these lovely free samples to taste, but you, you actually get loads of gadgets and things, don't you? So your house must be jammed. I mean, you're going to take, I know you are, you're going to steal these. There's a beautiful, I've got them being delivered tall cafetiere. Yeah. Uh, well, t- what do they call them? T-tier? No, probably not. Um, I think it is, actually. And a smaller one. And then we've got these lovely glass cl- cups, uh, 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 sort of bowls almost. Um, and you've got loads of other stuff. There's a beautiful jug there. Um you must have. There's a lot of there's a lot of food. Is your but house just like Because my wife's a photographer. She has that in photography, and I'll give you the, the worst example in our house is we have two darkroom developers. I'm like, can't you pick which one you want? Like, how did we end up with two? Can we please just get rid of one of them? But somehow we'll yeah. have two. Um, yeah, there's a lot of. But I, do you know what? I, the bottom line for me is is that as a foodie, it's what you, you know. It's, I, that's my it's passion. Life, yeah. I love it, and actually, the pleasure that I get from the improvement of a, you know, one of those kind of culinary moments, whether it's, I mean, how much better is a really good bit of sourdough with jam or marmite or whatever in the morning versus, you know, your branded rubbish bread? I mean, it's like, it's a completely different stratosphere. Uh, yeah, and I think the problem is once you've done that, you can't go back. Can't no. you? What's your flat like? You've never invited me. Um, I will. Oh, thanks. Um, <laughs> one day, come to Suffolk. Um, my flat is full of food products and um, we don't because um yeah read shippers kind of independent retailers they tend not to be stocking fancy gadgets um but just cupboards are overflowing with incredible chutneys and fridges overflowing with cheese and yeah there's there's too much it's for great me and my boyfriend to eat it's very it's a great industry to be in isn't it can't really can't complain no but it's, it's such a treat it really is yeah 
Right, T- talk me through this tea then. You're pouring it now. Probably could do a little bit longer. But... Could do a bit longer and maybe, um, yeah, the hot water wasn't quite as hot. It's jasmine pearls. It's just a really, really high quality jasmine drink. And I, I think it's one of those ones where, you know, actually, we're going to have to keep working on finding Sue's tea, aren't we? We're going to have to find her tea. It's really hard. But we can try. Holly, do you like it? I really do. It's so good. I say I'm going to try on Red Dragon. Do you know what it's like? It's like when you, do you use those hand gels? Yes. I, as a you know, as an yeah. elder, go on the tube and I'm going, I'm not putting my hand on that. And if I do, I'm going to use a hand wash. Put a hand wash and you accidentally, you know, lick your fingers or something. It tastes like that, that horrible, like... Cause it, so you associate jasmine with not a... You see, I think what's really <laughs> interesting with this jasmine yeah. <laughs> is that actually a, a lot of the jasmines smell really fake. This one actually, I think, it just... Oh. It, it's like putting your head in... like it, 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 You just get all the floral. It smells like when you open a tin of tennis balls, doesn't it? No, it doesn't. It's a very niche reference. Jesse, it doesn't. It does. I like not. that reference. I, I, I always thought the sound it. is the best part of it. Oh, mm. I love this. Mm. Ne- I think it smells amazing, but I would rather have this as a candle than drink it. I would also, oh. I'd have it on as a candle, lit, <laughs> when I was sitting on my sofa relishing this tea. Watching, While listening yeah. to sort watching of Holmes under yeah. the Homes yeah. under the Best hammer. Of every well, yeah. Or watching Breaking Bad watches. or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> would ruin the moment. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Right. Well, we, 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 have, we have to finish now. We're way over time. <laughs> we're we're going to find some new teas for Sue. Yeah, no, please do. I, I think I do need to experiment and, yeah. and, and try some. But those two today, I'm really sorry. Not, not okay, we'll try another next week. Not my cup of tea. Haha. So you've been listening to the Food Talk Show and we're syndicated on everywhere, basically. Um, you can also download our weekly podcast from iTunes, Spotify and the podcast app on your phone, as well as the wonderful Great British Chefs website. Thank you to my fellow presenters, Holly Ollie, so Ollie Lloyd of Great British Chefs and Holly Shackleton of Speciality Food Magazine. Thank you, guys. And if you want to recommend any future guests, someone doing something brown, groundbreaking, just like Jesse Wilson of Jubel Beer, or somebody who's got amazing uh, knowledge like Michelle Berrydale-Johnson, Please do get in touch with us via Twitter, and that's on at Food Talk Show. If you want to listen to any of our hundreds of podcasts now going back, hmm, how long have we been doing this? Three or four years? Um, go to foodtalk.co.uk, and I hope you have a good week. Bye. Okay.